Hey everyone, we have received exceptional support for the Diaries Plus. It means so much to us. It's been a tough year for us. We're down on sponsors, but you keep lifting us up and making this show possible. And because of that, we get to keep making more cool shows for you. So today we're releasing a new series on Diaries Plus called Good, Good, Bad. Trips, adventures, and fiascos that define our lives. On New Year's Eve 2023, Mason Gravelly slid a stand-up paddleboard into the tannin-stained waters of Lake Okeechobee and embarked on an adventure he's been dreaming of for years, an unsupported crossing of one of our country's biggest lakes. Between the weather, toxic algae, and alligators, he was told it was preposterous. But Mason's journey was a culmination of years of Florida adventures and a passion for conservation. Here's a little taste of the first good, good, bad episode, Alligator Lake. Wherever you are is an adventurous place to people that aren't from there. And so it's like, I'll be honest, right now at this point in my life, I would never leave within an hour or two of my home if I could. And I'd probably, that's probably going to change at some point. But right now, that's like my reality. And I did not see that coming. Like, I I would have laughed at you if you you said that's the way you're going to think in five years. And so... It, it, all of us have to go through it. Like, oh, adventure is elsewhere or life and fulfillment and what we're looking for is elsewhere. And I think part of maturing and just part of just living this life is one, going through that. And two, <laughs> realizing everything you need is right here. You know, how many times have people told us that, but it, it takes learning it yourself, you know? Subscribe to Plus Now for the full story and access to all new episodes. As always, Thank you for your support. Now, on to the show. Lauren, Laura, I have a question for you two today. Um, Have either of you ever regretted going for a run? (laughs) No, I don't think I ever have. There's definitely been days I didn't want to go, but after I come back, I don't think I've ever regretted making the decision to go. Yeah, same here. Not that I can remember. Yeah, it's so funny. It's 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 like there, per Lauren's point, like there are times like in Seattle where it's dark, it's rainy, I'm tired, and I'm just like, I don't want to run. But I know that if I go, I'll be like, eh, I'm better off than when I didn't. I got. I think there's just some magic to it, right? Some magic about feeling that effort and that work, and it's it's done at this rate, sort of 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 step by step, and all of a sudden it's like one mile ticks off, the next mile ticks off, and it is this truly incredible feeling. And, you know, I even think about just when I first started running is like there was this this moment growing up in Florida where I was like bored, I was like over video games. I just I just didn't know what to do with myself. And then we had a bike path and I just was like, I'm going to run. I mean, I must have been desperate to be like a teenager that had never run and like informally be like, oh, that'll, that'll sound like a good idea. But I did, and then it was like something I did, you know, six days a week from then on out and, you know, ended up, you know, really becoming a, a lifelong runner um, through the process. So I don't know. I just, I love it. Yeah, I think there's a reason why we use running as an analogy for so many things in our life, right? Because it's that ability to just take one more step and just take one more step. And like you said, soon the miles start ticking off and you're pretty like, you can be quickly amazed with how far you come. And, you know, it's pretty cheesy, but I feel like there's a reason why running becomes that metaphor for so many different things that we want to accomplish in our lives. Does it ever feel easy? 
Uh, <laughs> I'm working on pacing, so <laughs> when I go slow, it's a little easier. Yeah. Some some days it's like, and I feel like it always feels hard, and then some days it just feels harder. Um, Laura, will you tell us who we're going to talk to today? Yeah, today we're talking to Arlene Gonzalez. She is a runner from San Diego who just started running one day and her whole life has transformed to revolve around that. Um, She's got this infectious energy that makes you want to do big things. A few weeks ago, Laura and I visited our land in San Diego and yeah, I can definitely agree that being around her really makes you excited to lace up your shoes and get out there and see what else you can do. And we're also going to try something a little bit different today. You two had an idea for how we could tackle this project. Will you explain to everybody listening about what we're doing here? Yeah, so Arlen is bilingual. She's from Mexico, and she lives in a community that really flows back and forth constantly between English and Spanish. And we felt like, oh, would it be possible to do this story in both English and Spanish and get that opportunity to kind of represent that part of our lens community. And so that's exactly what we're going to do today. There's going to be two episodes in your feed today for this story, and one is going to be in English and the other will be in Spanish. So today we present Paso a Paso, Step by Step. If running can help make you happy, what else can it do? Could it help you find community or even help bridge a gap created by a wall? I'm Fitzka Hall. I'm Lauren Delaney Miller. I'm Laura Isaza. You're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Estás escuchando The Dirtbag Diaries. We meet Arlen Gonzalez, the founder of the running group Latinas a Correr, in the parking lot of a San Diego shopping mall. She steps out of the car looking really cool, like way cooler than us. She's rocking matching black shorts, a one-shoulder sports bra, and bubblegum blue running shoes with hot pink laces from her latest marathon in Tokyo. My name is Arlen Gonzalez. I'm 46 years old, and I live in La Jolla, and I'm a mom of Three amazing boys. She hugs us hello, and her energy and enthusiasm are disarming. Like, we already know her. We've been emailing for weeks now, but we quickly realized that to really get to know Arlen and the community she's created, we'd have to meet her on her turf. So we hop back into our cars and follow her north along a road, winding through eucalyptus groves, and before we know it, we hit the coast. Surfers are hanging out on the beach, people are walking their dogs, Families are playing in the sand with kids. It was busy. So after about 15 minutes of lurking in this parking lot and waiting for a car to leave, we finally find a place to park. We've come to Torrey Pines State Natural Reserve to join Latinas a Correr on our run. It's the perfect day. Sunny, warm, with a nice ocean breeze. 
The air is sticky and salty, and together, our crew of five doesn't waste much time. We hit the trail and immediately start jogging up a big hill. Ready? Let's go. It started all here. 11 years ago. This month, it's going to be 11 years. I was going through my separation, so I needed some, you know, like, something that will clear my mind. 11 years ago, Arlene found herself going through a pretty hard time. She was getting a divorce, and her cousins came to visit from Guadalajara, Mexico, which is her hometown. So the reason that I came was to take out my cousins for a, for a hike. I needed them to do something different besides shopping. So they're like, oh, we don't want to go. Yeah, let's go. I think it was meant to be. I think time was perfect. She decided to bring them to Torrey Pines, a nature reserve in northern San Diego with striking sand-colored hills that zigzag their way toward the ocean. A main path, with trails branching in all directions, leads to the top of the hill closest to the ocean. As Arlen and her cousins walked all the way up to the highest point on Torrey Pines, they saw runners coming up and down the hill. And as Arlen watched them, she thought, I want to feel like that. And suddenly, an idea, one she'd really never even considered before, crossed her mind. You know what, let me try. Arlen had actually avoided running for most of her life. But that day, something was different. I mean, I was wearing the wrong shoe, <laughs> the wrong clothes. But still, step by step, she was hooked. I didn't know what a passion was until I started running. And not long after that, she signed up for her first 5K. Then she signed up for another 5K, and then a 10K, a 10-miler, and within six months of starting to run, she ran her first half marathon. I never thought I was going to run at even 10 meters. And now you've run how many marathons? So I've done... <laughs> I've done 58 halves. Yeah, I'm doing my 59. So by the end of the year, I've done 60 halves in 11 years. And I'm doing my fourth marathon. And it all started here at Torrey Pines. A la derecha, to the right. The trail we're running on leads away from the trees to a view of the open ocean that stretches as far as the eye can see. It gives me a feeling of freedom. It gives me the feeling of happiness. I feel the presence of God, because when I see that amazing ocean, the amazing mountains, it's like, wow, this is surreal. I mean, if I have the opportunity of running, of running around these areas, why not doing it? it? It just makes you feel alive. Experiencing this joy, it felt like a radical act in the face of her separation. So people were expecting of me of feeling sad, of feeling depressed, of like not doing anything, just stay home and, and, and cry that I was going through that situation. 
which I did. Of course, I felt sad. I felt depressed. I, I cried a lot. But running, it was like I was feeling down, but running was pushing me up. Your body creates endorphins. Your body feels happier. So the more exercise, the more you run, the happier you feel. This is a story about what happens when you let a sport change your life. About what happens when you find that magic of moving through the world in an entirely new way. I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling. It's like a spark. And when you find something that good, you don't want to keep it to yourself. For Arlen, that meant taking that inspiration and sharing it with her community. She started posting about her runs on Facebook, and soon other women in her community started getting curious. Women were the one who were asking me like, oh, when are you going again for a run? I was like focusing on how me, Arlene, and women can find answers to what she's going to do in her life. So, I needed to focus on me, which is I'm a woman. And I thought that just by focusing on women, I could help them going through different situations that they were going through the, at that time. And she told me that while she could just get on the computer and find a training plan or info on what shoes to buy, she wanted to create something more personal. She wanted someone who could understand her experience as a Latina. And even though she didn't have someone to guide her in her earliest days of running, she realized that now she could be that person for other women. But when she started reaching out to women she knows, she found that they had a lot of doubts. I think in the Latino community, women, we always find excuses to not to do things for your own. I mean, you always do everything for your husband, for your kids, for the family, but you forget about yourself. Like you, you, don't, you don't live with a passion. And it worked out when I was like, not pushing them, but like, are you coming tomorrow? Are you coming this afternoon? Like I was calling them, like send them a message and they felt that, I, don't, I think I inspired them because I think that was the reason because I would post like, okay, me having three kids, um, having a job, I mean, having things to do in my life as other women, I will find the time to do this. And I think by them seeing me as, a, as, a, as an inspiration, they will try it. And that thing, that's when it started to change everything, when, we'll, they, when they will see me doing things and they'll be like, okay, if you can do it, I'll, I'll be able to do it. While Latinas a Correr is such a big part of her life now, at the beginning it was really simple. It was just Arlene knocking on doors, making posts, helping women carve out space in their lives to come together and run. And for Arlene, more than forming a very large group, the important thing was to make sure women were getting focused attention to help them build consistency with running. So the group started out small and over time grew. Every run was a little different. Sometimes just a few runners would come, sometimes a few dozen. Soon enough, she had a group of women that were consistently showing up from across San Diego and from Tijuana. We look at the ocean, take it in, breathe deep, relax. 
I almost always run alone. So being here with Latinas a Correr, I can see why it's been so successful. Our lens energy is contagious. And then, of course, we snapped some pics for the gram. The Latinas a Correr Instagram is a collage of our lens past runs, some running invites, and highlights from her adventures all over the world. Many of the photos feature a confident Arlen in colorful shorts and a sports bra. It feels like she's always been this confident. So we were surprised to hear that even just three or four years ago, Arlen's approach to her iconically on-point running fits was a little different. I was like, um, I didn't want to show my skin because of, you know, like, I'm not perfect, like, and I'm like, no, I'm going to hide it, right? She was invited to run with a women's running group in October, which is Women's Month. And we were told, okay, make sure you wear a sports bra. It was like maybe 30 of us, different body types. And then before we started running, we were told, okay, take off your shirt. You're just going to run with a sports bra. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want to show, like in the pictures. I don't, like, I was worried about what I was, like, going to show in my pictures yeah. at that time. I wanted to, like, show, like, look perfect. It's not showing your extra skin or whatever. And then we all went for a run with just sports bra. And we just didn't care. It, we felt secure about our bodies. Mm-hmm. Since that moment, I started running with just sports bra. Even if I have extra weight or extra skin or whatever, I feel fine. I accept my body the way it is. And I want to show the women that it's okay. And the more you accept yourself, you're willing to conquer more. Today, so much of our lens joy comes from sharing her love of running with her community. And that means her whole community. The U.S.-Mexico border is less than 20 miles away. And to Arlen, Tijuana feels like an extension of her city. She goes there almost every week to shop, to go to the doctor, to get tacos and visit friends. In some ways, the border can just feel like an annoyance to Arlen. There's traffic and long lines. But in other ways, it's presented some unique challenges to creating and maintaining a community. When we come back, we're going to Tijuana to visit the other half of our lens community. And we'll make a few stops along the way. And support comes from Kuat Racks. They just released the Ibex, an overlanding truck bed rack that handles substantial loads both on and off the grid because... Being off the grid is dope. Constructed from lightweight yet durable aluminum, the black powder coat is made for all the nature you can throw at it. Available in six different frame sizes to accommodate most truck models, the Ibex is engineered for adventure with versatile full and half height configurations. For more details, visit kuat.com. Kuat, because you will absolutely love this bedrock and all the dope places you go. So uh, this is Roadrunner Sports. On our second day visiting Arlen in San Diego, she took us to Roadrunner Sports. 11 years ago, I came here for the first time, not knowing what I was expecting, but I knew that I needed running shoes. After her life-changing day at Torrey Pines, it was time to get some shoes. But she had no idea what she was looking for. So I remember when I came for the first time, 
I felt like I was in Disneyland. It was like as a runner, like, oh my God, like seeing all those shoes. When Arlen first went into the store, she got a personalized fitting. It made her feel welcome. So she insisted that we should have that same experience. Looking for our running shoes, trail shoes. Any specific we each took turns getting our feet measured and scanned. We ran on the treadmill, and the sales associate helped us evaluate our gait. We have a really cool process here called the Fit Zone. What that does is get you the perfect fit. It was pretty fun. And we could see how welcoming it would be to new runners who might otherwise be stunned by a wall of colorful footwear options. For Arlen, she appreciated the experience so much, she decided she wanted to work there. Like now that I work here, I feel like we're like doctors, like running doctors. When people come, they feel my passion. And I tell them, I'm not here to assault you. I'm here to help you. She wanted other runners to be comfortable and have the gear they needed. And she's learned a lot about shoes. Green, which is stability. And blue, which is neutral. And socks. Cotton, it's like our enemy. She's tried a lot of different shoes since that first day 11 years ago. But she always gravitates towards the ones with color. This one? <laughs> well, I don't like dark shoes. I don't love those because I like bright colors. But that I discover with time. I discover that I need, like colors, like bright colors, will help me mentally, like psychological, to run better. I don't know, the more colorful, the happier I felt. After our visit to Roadrunner, the tour continued. Arlen wanted to show us one of her other favorite places in San Diego, Balboa Park. I mean, it's beautiful here. That's where all the museums are. And when I started the meetups, I had two locations. I had one location at Mission Bay, which I always love to run by the water, and also Balboa Park. When we think about outdoor access, Balboa Park is a pretty great example. It's flat, with sprawling paved pathways, it's pretty easy to find, and it's beautiful. It was a perfect place to take new runners, and it had the added advantage of being centrally located. It's, it was, and it still is, one of my favorite locations for meetups. And why is that? Because we're like in the middle of the city. So if we have people from Tijuana or from Chula Vista or South San Diego, or even like North San Diego, it's like in the middle. So it's okay for everyone. Arlen told us that in order to really understand her community, we had to see all of it, both north and south of the border. So after Balboa Park, we got ready to head to the final stop on our trip, Tijuana. Driver's license. They will check if you have. See how they're like searching. We thought we'd be going running when we got there, so we showed up wearing running clothes. But when we saw that Arlen was dressed up, ready to go out, we realized she had a lot more in store for us, and she made us change. Where am I to go? <laughs> the drive over the border was surprisingly easy. We never even had to show our passports. Arlen explained to us that it's not going into Mexico that's the hard part. It's coming back. And for us, the crossing into Mexico took less than 20 minutes. So just like that, we were at El Tijuano, a taco shop owned by Mario, a fellow runner and friend of Arlen's.
Like I buy tortillas, yeah, I buy tortillas yeah. here to take to San Diego. Yeah. Oh yeah. The flavor is different. Yeah. Cause it's like fresh from every day here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you think it's about the meat, but like. No, really salsa about too. Yeah. Yeah. To me, a good taco is about the salsa. Yeah. Arlen had introduced us to the idea of a binational community, and we asked Mario to share his perspective. Mario told us that Tijuana depends on a binational dynamism. Lots of people live here, work there, live there, eat here. And he said, it's really one big community. People come to Tijuana and get to know the beauty of the city. It's a food paradise, and it's not just for Latinos. It's a community for everyone to come and enjoy. We ordered tacos, and then we were joined by Arlen's best friend, Salvador. Sal lives in Tijuana, and he started running with Arlen years ago. He's one of the handful of Latinos in Latinas a Correr. He was going to be our Tijuana tour guide. Arlen told us to get the sirloin, which is what they're known for, and she was right. The sirloin was phenomenal. We scarfed down our tacos, said goodbye to Mario, and set out to see TJ with Sal. And the short drive from the border to here showed you that our traffic laws are very loose. Well, this is one of the oldest neighborhoods called La Libertad. Because uh, on the other side of the, where you guys came across is downtown and then to Rio, so you know, that's the very first part. That, and then this neighborhood started. From the taco shop, we drove all over TJ with Sal. North, (laughs) south, east, west, it was dizzying. There was honking and giant traffic circles, beautiful statues, and lots of street vendors. As we drove through the city, we'd occasionally catch a glimpse of the border wall. It felt like an omnipresent object, this strange physical representation of the barriers dividing this binational community. Arlen and Sal have felt the sting of the border themselves. Even though Sal had gone to college and spent years working in the Bay Area, and once the pandemic hit, he couldn't cross anymore. And neither could Arlen. For 20 months, the border was closed to all non-essential travel. We drove up to Playas, where the sand meets the Pacific Ocean, and where Mexico meets the United States. We turn west on Ensenada Road and drive parallel to the wall toward the ocean. On the U.S. side, there's a lot of open space before you get to the wall. But in Tijuana, the city runs right up against it. The contrast makes the wall feel even more abrupt. Beyond that wall lies roughly 100 feet of open space. And then another wall. In all our national conversations about the wall, I didn't realize that here, there are actually two. To Arlen, it's not just the wall that's important, but the space in between. Twice a year, this organization called uh, Border Angels, they used to do this event here, like inside where the palm tree is, and they will choose 50 families who can reunite between the two walls twice a year. It's like very... I mean, sad and happy at the same time, because you'll see families like mothers here 
waiting for their turn to meet their son who they haven't seen for 30 years. Oh my God, and they can only see them for half an hour, an hour, and that's it. In 2017, Arlen and Sal worked together to organize a race with Border Angels. The race let runners from the U.S. run into the space between the walls. And for some of them, it was really personal. And I invited a friend who doesn't have, like, papers to live in the U.S. So he told his mom that we were coming. Arlen brings her pinky up to a tiny gap in the wall to show us what it was like. Her friend, living on the American side, had been separated from his mom for 10 years. This race let him see her, to touch her finger through the wall. I was crying all the time. Yeah. I mean, I was like next to him, and like the mom was crying and crying, and he was like, and they were just like this, like touching their pinkies. At Playas, the wall is covered in art. We take some time to walk around, read the memorials and paintings. There's a section dedicated to soldiers who had fought in the U.S. military and were then deported. There are photos of families, painted hearts, and messages calling for a world without walls. We walk over to a piece of concrete standing in the plaza. It's a piece of the Berlin Wall. We learned after we got home that it had just arrived there the day before our visit. It's a visiting exhibit. And after traveling all around the world since 1989, this section of the wall is making its final stop here, in Tijuana. On it is a plaque. It says the exhibit is here to remind us that humanity transcends borders and nationalities. It strikes us that this is how Arlen lives. She comes down to TJ all the time. The way she describes it, like one big community, it feels even more strange to see the lights of San Diego with rows of metal in between. We walk down to the beach where the wall stretches into the ocean and we're mesmerized by the way that the waves break awkwardly against the wall. The metal posts disfigure the waves, but they can't stop them from coming. We look up and see a dozen seagulls perched on top of the wall. Another dozen fly above, crisscrossing the border in a way that feels like they're teasing us for their ability to go wherever they want. As we stand on the beach, we see runners. They run down the beach towards us, and then when they get to the wall, they turn around and run back the other way. People are taking photos, reading the murals on the wall, as border patrol trucks sit idling on the other side. While we're there, it starts to get dark. The lights on top of the border wall flicker on, and as we drive parallel to the wall, like we did on the way in, this time, we can see the lights extend east, seemingly forever. The wall bobs up and down on the hills like a wave. We stop for dinner, and then finally, much past our bedtimes, we get in the car to head back to San Diego. We're driving toward the border, and before we know it, we're back in the U.S. And as we drive, Arlene's son calls her. And they chat for a few minutes, and then she tells him that she'll be home soon. 
It's cheesy, maybe, but I can't help but think of all the families separated that stand in pretty stark contrast to our ability to come and go so freely. This is something that Arlen thinks about often. Living in a border city means being more aware of who gets to travel where and the privilege that freedom of movement allows. I mean, I have people who follow me, Latinas at Correr, who are always like, oh, what a beautiful place. I wish I could cross the border. I wish I can be there. And I know it's never going to be a possibility for them. Like, never. And that makes me sad. For us, and for Arlen and many of the women in her group, it's pretty easy to cross. They have dual passports or tourist visas to let them enjoy San Diego and Tijuana as one big binational community. But not everyone has access to this, and for some people, the border marks the boundaries of their community. As a runner, you don't see a border. There's no borders for us, even though there is, physically. (laughs) And I wish, at some point, maybe, I don't know, I mean, I hope they live, they will have a chance to come and experience that, that feeling of being just 10, 15 minutes away. As for Latina Sacrer, the work continues. Arlen keeps holding meetups, guiding women as they prepare for races, and helping them feel at home in the running community. My goal in life is to have my own nonprofit and to create more running programs, not just here in San Diego, but around the world. I feel proud and that just by inspiring other women, that makes me happy because by inspiring other women, it inspires me. At the end of our time together, we asked Arlen the same question Fitz asked us. Does she ever regret going for a run? Oh, no. I re- no, never, never. No, I never, 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 never regret it. I don't see at a moment or a time or a day that I regret it. No, so no. <laughs> Thank you, Arlen, for sharing your story. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and from you, our community. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story lead, please give us a shout and use the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today from The Brow, Alexan, Maya Shimmer, and Brendan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the artists or track club. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists on our website. This episode was written and produced by Lauren Delani Miller and Laura Isaza, with additional production help from Ashley Langholtz and Becca Cajal. It was mixed by Evan Phillips. Laura provided all translation and writing for the Spanish version of this episode. Make sure to check it out in the feed. Illustration by Walker Call. Becca Call is our executive producer. I'm Fitz Call, and you've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Diaries.